Hey, listeners, to help us keep delivering in-depth wine business content, we've carefully selected partners for our show that we think will resonate with you. This episode's partner is Sonoma State University's Wine Executive MBA, which is one of the only MBA programs in the world with a focus on the wine industry. We have with us Juliana Colangelo, Vice President of Colangelo & Partners, a leading wine PR firm, and our guest from episode 17. She's a graduate of Sonoma State's Wine Executive MBA program in 2019. What did you appreciate most about the Sonoma State University Wine EMBA program? So as a result of the Wine Executive MBA program, I've had the incredible opportunity to speak at various industry conferences. For example, I was a guest last year, um, January 2020, in the Silicon Valley Bank State of the Wine Industry report. And I also spoke at Unified in 2020, as well as Wine Industry Network conferences. So those opportunities were great for building my career, uh, but as well as bringing new opportunities to our agency, Colangelo & Partners. So the MBA also has opened new doors to new clients for our office in California, which has been a, a huge facet of the benefit of the program for me. The Wine Executive MBA program starts in April. Apply by February 28th to transform your wine career. Learn more at wineexecutivemba.sonoma.edu or look at the link in our show notes. Welcome to X Chateau. X Chateau. The podcast that navigates the business of wine with unique perspectives and insights with your hosts, Robert Vernick and Peter Young. Welcome to this episode of X Chateau. Today we have a guest. We're kicking off a series on various forms of wine education, and we have Peter Marks, Master of Wine, Partner, and Vice President of the Napa Valley Wine Academy. Welcome to the show, Peter. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. It's going to be a little confusing. We have, for the first time, two Peters. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all voice. It'll be all right. Kind of a Pete and repeat. There, there you go. go. Peter, I was hoping you could give us a little background on yourself and your career in the wine industry. I can truly say I'm a veteran. I've been around long enough now. I started in the wine industry in 1981 in retail, and that was actually coming after five years of working in restaurants and food service. I graduated from UC Davis in 76 with a food service management degree, but I had piqued my interest in wine while I was at Davis. My roommate became a winemaker. I was visiting wineries, and after working in food industry and restaurants for five years, I got the wine bug. So from 81 until 2000, I was doing wine retail, and then from roughly in the last 20 years, doing wine education. Started off doing education primarily at COPIA, the American Center for Wine, Food, and the Arts, where I ran their wine education programs for about eight years. Then I joined Constellation Brands, where I was vice president of education. And then in 2019, I joined the Napa Valley Wine Academy and actually became a partner because I think they're doing great things and wanted to be part of that joyous ride. Always curious when someone decides to be an educator, what was that motivation? Because it, it is one of those kind of unsung jobs. And it's actually very challenging to teach someone something, especially a complex topic like wine. So I'm curious on what was your motivation there to become a teacher? Well, I actually started doing education when I was working in the retail business. I worked for a really fine, high quality retailer called Drager's Markets. You may be familiar with them in the, in the peninsula. So I ran their wine programs, but started doing wine education while I was with Drager's and not only that, but we took our customers on trips to Burgundy and Bordeaux. So we really were doing all sorts of different educational, cultural aspects around wine. And I, I have to tell you, you learn the best about wine when you have to teach it. And that, to me, was just one of those fascinating things because I 
wanted to know more about wine. And that was in a way making me do it while at the same time having a really good experience. I often say, you know, if anybody works in the restaurant business or retail business or any type of service oriented business, you don't just do it for the paycheck. You do it for what I call the psychic paycheck. And that is the feedback that you can get from your customers. And, you know, whether you recommend a bottle of wine and they come back, you know, next week and they say, that was such a great wine. And they take that trust in you or having a student who takes a class and tells you that, you know, now you're so excited about wine that you never realize how much there was to know and you want to learn more. I mean, that sort of feedback is what makes it all worth it. I like it. The psychic paycheck. I'm going to steal that. Psychic paycheck. Exactly. I've got a big bank account in psychic paycheck. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now you're a partner at the Napa Valley Wine Academy. For those who aren't familiar with it, could you give us a brief overview of what it is and what it does? So it was started in 2011. Uh, Christian Ogunfus and his father, Jurek, and Catherine Bouguet were the founders. And they started very, very small, basically in the garage, if you will. And they began to offer WSET programs. In fact, the first class Christian was telling me the other day, the first class they held was at Whole Foods in Napa. And there's a they had a cooking demo location there and they borrowed that location. They had four students teaching level one. And that was the beginning. Over the years, it has grown exponentially. You know, today, believe it or not, Napa Valley Wine Academy is the largest WSET provider, not just the US, in the world. We have actually passed by the London School, which is their their own WSET school in the UK, to become the number one provider based on the number of students that we reach every year. Wow. You are a Wine and Spirit Education Trust or WSET provider. What does that mean for people who aren't familiar with how the structure of that education system works? Right. Yeah. So I think the closest analogy would be to consider it almost like a franchise. It's not exactly like that, but we are authorized to teach their programs. And to do that, we have to go through this very strict scrutiny where we are show that we have the proper location in the classroom. Our instructors have to be trained. They have to be certified. We must meet certain parameters and reporting of all of our scores and keeping addresses and database of students. And so then we become an, what they call an approved program provider or APP. And that allows us to teach their classes. And what we do is we buy the materials, the study packs, and the exams from them, but we administer everything. The exams do get marked by them, with a few exceptions. We may mark some tasting exams, but for the most part, they all get shipped back to London and scored there, and then we get the results and then pass those on to our students. And now the uh, Napa Valley Wine Academy does more than WSETs. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. So we, probably about 65% of our business is WSET. While that has been growing, at the same time, we have been offering number of additional courses that we designed ourselves to help broaden wine education. And, you know, so right now we have a Wine 101, we have a Wine 201, we have these sort of specialty courses, Napa Valley Wine Expert, Oregon Wine Expert, American Wine Expert. We're developing a German Wine Expert course. We also have an Argentina Wine Expert course. We also have a business of wine school that we've partnered with Tim Hannay, another master of wine, to deliver that. And we're continuing to grow and broaden that portfolio of offerings. So focusing a little bit more about in the WCT, I'm curious if you could talk a little about what makes that program so strong as one of the core tracks or educational programs that people that are in the wine industry go through. 
Sure. I think one of the best things about the WSET, it does offer a track. There are four levels, WSET, one through four. Level four is the diploma. And it's a very excellent way for people to increase their knowledge over the years in a good path. It also becomes much more of a valuable credential when you get up to level three and level four, especially. And what I mean by that is it begins to look at not just knowing the wine regions and the varieties and things like that, but really understanding. And the difference between knowing and understanding is huge. So when you get to level three, you begin to tie things in like climate and winemaking and how that influences the style of the wine and the quality and the price of the wine. When you get into the diploma level, it includes a unit on the business of wine. And if anybody's in the wine business today, they have to have that. I mean, it's such a critical part of knowing about wine is not just knowing the locations and varieties and types of wines, but having the business acumen so that you can be successful. And because of that, it's also a perfect precursor to doing the master of wine exam or any any exam for that matter, but it's really geared to all aspects of the wine industry and not focused necessarily on just hospitality side or just on education side, but really the whole gamut of the global world of wine. So that would be the key differentiator between the quartermaster sommeliers and the Society of Wine Educators. Is that is that broad? Exactly. View? Right. Yeah. Exactly. So. Society of Wine Educators is geared towards people who want to teach about wine. Also, there's only two levels there. I mean, they have for wine, they have some, they have a spirit course and some other things, but there's only two levels for the wine course. And then for Court of Master Sommelier, you're really training to become somebody involved with the hospitality side. And that's a lot different from a master wine exam. And would you say that the audience for the different levels target very different groups? Like not a lot of people who are not in the trade take the diploma. I'm sure there's exactly. some. Exactly. I can give you the rough percentage. So, you know, level one, 90% consumers, maybe 10% trade, but they would probably be trade that are just new to the industry, maybe wait staff, people like that. Level two is uh, approximately 75% consumer, 25% trade. Then you get to level three and it kind of goes 60% trade and 40% consumers. And then diplomas more that 90-10, 90% trade and 10 consumers. Got it. Although we do see a lot more consumers now coming into the WSET program. So those numbers might skew a little bit in, in the years to come, particularly now that people have been staying at home and looking for something to do and maybe change careers. This has been a growing interest in taking WSET courses. Well, I think that broad viewpoint that can actually be outside of the hospitality part is probably appealing to a lot of people that, you know, expansive view of across the whole world of wine. What do you see as the key benefits outside of pure pleasure for taking the WCT? Is it in, in terms of how is it going to benefit someone, as, speaking around the trade, how is it going to benefit someone's career progression or networking? What do you think the main value adds there are? Or getting into the industry, right? As you yeah. mentioned, career change. I like to talk about things in groups of threes. So the, the three things I I use, I have a silly little acronym, the three C's of the WSET. So the first one is having the credential, you know, having a credential showing that you've accomplished something, especially if you're aspiring for a position in the wine industry, people are going to recognize that and you'll perhaps have a leg up on the competition. Number two is the confidence and giving you the confidence to stand up. And if you're a salesperson, for example, not worry that you have your facts straight, being able to talk to somebody who's at least as knowledgeable or maybe no more knowledgeable than you are. And then the third one is the really beginning to understand and 
and become part of the culture of wine. Those of us who are in the wine industry know that while it doesn't always pay that much, it is a wonderful industry because of the friendship, the social aspect. Getting to know people is a great part of that. And I think having the culture of knowing about wine that is really an agricultural product and how it comes from you know farm to table and all the great stories behind that is just something that keeps you interested and never changes or never never gets boring. It keeps changing and becomes so interesting to be able to keep up with all the nuances that the world of wine offers. Yeah, as someone who's actually hired people into the wine industry, I view it as a little bit of passion as well. Yes. You're showing and proving that you have a passion for wine to be able to sit through all these exams. And do all exactly. <laughs> Passion and patience. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the P's. It's the three the C's and the three yeah, P's. I need another one. Passion, but, patience, and persistence. <laughs> there you go. The WCT has seen huge growth in enrollment. There's around 100,000 candidates taking a qualification a year, every year these days, or at least for the last few years. What do you think are the factors driving that? And have you seen similar growth at Napa Valley Wine Academy? Absolutely. Yeah, we have definitely seen that growth. Like I said, we, two years ago, we were the largest U.S. provider of WCT, and now we're the world's largest. And it has definitely become, I think it is the go-to wine trade, education trade organization, because as I mentioned, it really covers all aspects of the wine industry. It is not geared to one specific type of the industry or segment of the industry. And I think because of that, and because it is so global, it is in you know 17 different languages. I mean, there's so many reasons why it has become as important as it is today. And there's been some changes to the program in the last couple of years. One, I saw that there was a sake program and then spirits got split out of the WCT diploma. Both Robert and I have the diploma and had to Learn about spirits, I guess, because I, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I drank in a lot of spirits, knew nothing about them, or not a lot, but and now you know, I certainly learned a lot in that session. What was driving those changes? Well, I just think it's part of giving students what they want. So, you know, some students may want to choose a path of study that's more geared towards sake or spirits, and by the way, they're going to be introducing a beer as well. Um, so I think it just gives the students a flexibility there to get more immersed in that one subject. You know, when you took diploma and had spirits as a part, you know, it was just like, oh, I really want the wine part, but I'm just doing spirits because it's, I have to do it. But now fo- students can focus on that and become really true experts in that field. I'm curious, as uh, as the whole world's been evolving with people staying at home due to lockdowns here and there, I'm curious on how the WCT is handled going virtual. Obviously, they've always had a way where you can take remote classes and stu- oh, self-study and then just go in and take a test. I'm curious on how that's evolved with digital tools and what level of investment actually the WCT has put into making those tools better and available. Yeah, so they've always had the online option, as you said, basically a self-study. And they have this year for the first time, they began to offer the level one and level two exams online. So you always in the past would have to go to a location, but now you can take it from the comfort of your home. They have a system set up so that, you know, you have cameras placed in different aspects of the room to make sure there's, you know, no funny business going on. Unfortunately, they cannot do that for level three and for diploma because those exams include tastings. But that's one really important aspect and has really allowed a lot of students to take part in the WSET, at least level one and two, through that process. The WSET in London has 
made a lot of changes in their online program. And I'll be honest, I'm not as knowledgeable about that because we have already developed our own online program. And we've learned a lot in the past 10 months ourselves. So we have, fortunately, we were already planning to launch wine kits right at the time that COVID pandemic hit in March of last year. And we have used our wine kits for level one, two, and three, and also diploma. And those have been just incredibly valuable. They have really added a lot to the students' learning. And we do virtual tastings with them to you know be able to bring those wines into the classroom. And I think one of the things we've learned is just how to better engage students online and keeping online not only a good learning module, but make it the best in class. And that's something that I think you're going to see continual improvement with that. You know, we can only get better in the online environment. It's something that is going to be important for years to come. So I'm curious on how online classes differ from in-person. For my diploma, I did everything self-study, except for unit three. And that's actually how Peter and I met. We were taking unit three together. I specifically did that because I wanted to have a peer group where I could taste and people could keep me honest and call me on stuff. Right. There's a couple ways of doing online. One, it can be pretty much just having a self-study with a few maybe modules that you can watch on your own or maybe they're live. But what we have done is we have made our classes completely virtual in the sense that we do all live webinars and they are recorded in case a student can't participate live. We've done that for levels one, two, three, and four. And one of the things that we find is that you know students still enjoy it because there's so many advantages to that. You don't have to pay for travel. You know, if you're coming from a different uh, city than the Bay Area, you're able to save on you know, hotels and meals, not to mention the time of travel, you know, going to and from. So that's just something that has actually found a lot of favor. That's one of the things that has been quite obvious with us is our numbers have increased during the pandemic as opposed to decreasing. I did all mine in person because I wanted to meet other people and and sort of network as well as taste the wines, which would be more challenging. But you mentioned that there's wine kits. For those who aren't familiar with what a wine kit is, could you maybe just simply describe what that is? Yeah. So what we have are these kits that are wines that are taken from the syllabus of the courses, recommended samples. And we're working with a supplier who bottles them up. They're actually disguised so that we can do blind tastings and then they can peel the label off and then you know look at what it is. But it's a great tool to use. And you know we're sending for level one and two, they get a six bottle kit. For level three, they have a 12 bottle kit. We're probably going to increase those quantities as we go forward just because we see a demand for more of this virtual tasting. And then for diploma, I mean, there's a lot of wines you need to taste in diploma. And I'll tell you, we're basically going through, well, just for diploma, there's different units, as you know, for D3, which is the world of wines, the wines of the world, 120 different samples that we send out to our students. For fortified wines, it's 18 different samples. For sparkling wine, unfortunately, we can't rebottle sparkling wine, so we're actually shipping full bottles, and we taste uh, 10 or 12 of those. Not missing anything by doing it online, you're still getting the same number of wines that you would if you were in person. And do you see that persisting once we're allowed to gather in person again? Or how do you see what was the online experience before changing as we move forward? You'll see it continuing. I think, again, because of the option for people to save money in the sense they're saving on travel and the time to travel, it's here to stay. And are the costs for doing the courses online different from in-person or are they the same? 
Well, the study pack is the same. Taking the exam, the cost of the exam is the same. All of those things are the same. The difference is that student saves on some of the travel costs and that sort of thing. For us, we don't have to have somebody come in and clean the classroom and wash the glasses and things like that. It's a little bit of savings. I will tell you from an instructor's standpoint, it's more work, to be honest. And that's because you must do a lot more pre-planning. You need to engage the students in such a way that they you know, don't lose interest or get bored. And so you need to develop a number of exercises, whether it's a, you know, a breakout room, whether it's a poll, whether it's a quiz. I've done a lot of learning around best practices with webinar. And they said you should engage with the student every three to five minutes. Now, if you're in a classroom, you're already engaging with them. But online, you can just sit there and go on and on for, for hours and not even you know engage with the students. So by doing engagement, you're going to keep their interest level and their knowledge retainment at a much higher level. And therefore, putting that all in place is going to take a lot more time. I do appreciate the level of effort you've done to research like how to evolve your teaching style. Some of the best practices that maybe other people have already solved in regular education for a virtual format. I think that's really respectful. You know, it's not just us that's doing it. Universities are, right? I mean, they're my daughter, she's a, a nurse. She got her master's in nursing and she got two nurse practitioner degrees all online. Wow. So when we talk about wine education, obviously there's the fees that we have for the certifications and, and taking the courses. But one of the like hard to estimate hidden cost for people is in the total wine education is actually a lot of times about the samples. And, and as you mentioned, the unit three of the diploma, you recommend to taste about 120 different wines. And so I'm curious on how does one actually factor in that cost? Obviously, going virtual, there's less travel, as you've mentioned earlier, but factoring in, like, what is study wine? Like, how should someone budget when they're thinking about their wine education, not only taking the test, but also what they need to do outside of that? Well, just to be clear, the kits that we have discussed, we include that with the cost of our WCT courses. And for level one and level two, you know, there really isn't a tasting involved, but you do need to understand certain styles, which is why we include some wines in the course. With level three and level four, or diploma, you do need to taste, and you may want to taste beyond what we've offered in our wine kits. And I would say, especially with diploma, where you know we can do 120 wines, but there's probably 200 and 220 wines that they recommend as samples. We do try to pick the ones that are most typical and probably show up more often on the exam, so we're covering the most important ones. But for sure, the practice that you need is something that needs to be done on your own. And I think uh, students might expect to spend, well, depending on the availability that they have with the different wines, but they could expect to spend for diploma maybe 500 to a couple thousand dollars on wine samples, depending on their experience and also their availability. You know, for example, if they work at a restaurant, you know, they could probably take a little sip and sample without any cost. Maybe if you're a retailer and you're a buyer, you can do the same thing. But if you're you know, don't have access to that, and maybe you have to buy bottles. Yes, you can use a Corvin or something to keep the wines fresh, but you still have to make that initial investment. One of the students I've been working with on diploma, we do mentoring as part of our programs too. For mentoring, it does cost an additional fee, but I have one student who's been very, very diligent, and he basically went through the entire syllabus, asked me to you know suggest which wines to get, and he went out and purchased every single bottle and corvin them and then did a number of tastings. But he hasn't gotten his results back because they should be back in the next couple of weeks. But I, 
I would be surprised if he didn't get passed with distinction. This, this student was so serious. He went out and just did everything he could possibly do. But not everybody needs to go to that extent. But it, you do need to have some additional practice to hone your tasting skill. So I'm curious on WCT's approach or thought process or even Napa Valley Wine Academy's approach to people that are potentially can't afford the cost but have that passion and want to drive. And is there, is there a scholarship program or how are you trying to make the wine education less cost prohibitive? So a couple of things. There, through the WSET itself, based in London, there are some wine scholarships. I think most of those come after you've passed, though, you know, like you've achieved a certain score in your exam. But what we've done, we have partnered with uh, Wine Unify, for example. We're offering scholarships for level one, two, and soon to be three. We're also working with Wine Access to offer some scholarships for WSET through their audience. On our website, if you go there, we have the Roots Fund, which is something that came out of the BIPOC topic of last year. We've also partnered with John Hart, who's a former NBA player who started a scholarship and you know, doing WSET scholarships through his organization. So we, we've been doing quite a bit in that regard to make it more available to many students. Have you seen an increase in diversity in the program over the time as it's seen such growth at Napa Valley Wine Academy, like in terms of the student body? I'd love to hear where you see that trending. Yes, absolutely. We definitely see it. Not just to um, pat ourselves on the back, but you know, Christian Ogunfos and the entire Napa Valley Wine Academy team, we were right there right after George Floyd and that whole incident occurred. How unfortunate it was. We were the first to stand up and say, you know, this is wrong. And we have not done the best we can. We need to do better. And we're still trying to do better. And all of us in, who are employees there have taken training on basically to, you know, make sure we're not showing any prejudice or making statements that can be misread by somebody. I'm very encouraged by where we're going. Obviously, we all have improvement that can be made, but at least we're going in the right direction. Building on the conversation around some of the benefits and the C's and this conversation about the expense of doing an education in wine, when things like the diploma, you know, which takes around two years and have to buy all the wine, it could be thousands and thousands of dollars. How can students think about what the return on that wine education is? I think, you know, when people talk about, oh, I'm a sommelier and I become a master sommelier, I immediately get an increase you know, in pay, how does that translate in the world of WSET? The situation will depend on each and every individual. Like we can't say for sure that everybody's going to experience a a pay increase, but I believe, especially when you pass level three and or level four, that you will see a lot more interest in your abilities. You will, if you're changing jobs, that can definitely be a foot in the door to be able to be accepted for a position that's of you know, higher pay as well as higher responsibility. I think a lot of organizations may encourage their students to take one of these courses and be rewarded for that. For example, when I was at Constellation Brands, we did reward our employees. It was part of their bonus program if they passed one of the levels of the WSET program. And I think, you know, we also had a scholarship or tuition reimbursement program where they could be reimbursed for their studies once they passed. And I think a lot of students will, you know, if they keep in mind that end goal that, yes, it's going to take a lot of money to get there, but the rewards can be enormous, especially if, depending on how you put yourself into that. You have to be able to not only take your diploma credential and go out there and put it on a resume, but you need to demonstrate the worth that that has been provided, how you've grown as a person, how you, how you can 
understand and offer advice in a meaningful way to the job at hand. From personal experience, one of the things that I found really helpful for me was coming in outside of the wine industry, being a business person, and then learning, especially through the diploma, viticulture and enology. I was then able to talk to our winemakers and actually translate what that meant from a business perspective. And they got value out of that. And I got value out of that. And otherwise, I would have been completely lost because the technical terms would have been like chemistry terms. I'd just been like, what on earth is this guy saying? <laughs> right? exactly. With a French accent or something. You know, I mean, what's going on here? But because of that background, I was actually able to understand and keep up at least. Absolutely. That's a great example. Yeah. And I think when we did interviews with wine influencers, well, they were saying that as they started and it was more of a passion. And then as they started to actually take some classes because they wanted to be able to have that conversation and engage with that community. And so as they became taking level two or level three, they start to really kind of, you know, up their content. So that was not only meeting the audience that they originally have, but also, you know, bringing in a larger wine group as well. And so it's interesting to see how these kind of worlds come together and they, and it's almost like a learning a language that they're, they're becoming more fluent in. Exactly. Yeah. And why is it something you join because you're passionate about it? At the end of the day, it is a consumable agricultural product that people take a lot of pleasure on. But a lot of people take it very, very seriously, probably too seriously, and get really hung up on a lot of the minutia. The curriculum can be quite challenging at WC. How do you, you know, keep it serious, but still make it fun and enjoyable? And so it's not just a data dump that you're trying to memorize a whole bunch of things, but and you're actually connecting those dots of what does that data mean versus what you're tasting and drinking. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, first of all, too many of us, I think, take wine too seriously. It's only wine. Let's remember that. <laughs> but it is a very complex subject. And I think while the subject is complex, wine education doesn't have to be. And there's ways that you can make great analogies with things that consumers or students are, are used to. You know, you can talk about a grape variety and liken it to, you know, a particular type of music or something like that. But what we do is we have incredible instructors. We have great tools, all of these things that really help to demystify wine, to make it accessible and easy to understand. And, you know, you have to start basic and build on that. And I think one of the things I try to do more than anything, just impress upon people that it is only wine and you can never know everything there is to know. One of my favorite sayings is that as a master of wine, the biggest lesson I've learned is that wine can never truly be mastered. And I tell people that at the begin, beginning of any major wine course that I teach, only to hopefully put them at ease. I will confess, if I don't know an answer, I'm not going to pretend that I know it. I'll go look it up or you know, ask somebody else if they can answer that for me. But it's one of those things that in the end, it's a social beverage. So people enjoy it. One of the reasons we like to know more about it is it enriches our experience you know, because there's history with wine, there's rich stories behind, there's the health aspects. Again, it's an agricultural product that, you know, comes from the land. There's so many different aspects of wine that you can bring into the conversation that will make it very interesting and enjoyable to learn about. And building on that fun aspect, or maybe part of the, the culture aspect that you mentioned earlier, what have been some of the most rewarding things that, in your experience of wine education, in your interactions with students. When that light bulb goes off, <laughs> I think that's, you know, one thing like, oh, I get it now. You know, just knowing that Chablis is made from Chardonnay <laughs> and is, isn't always in a jug wine. I think the ones that really take me back a bit is when students tell me that I've changed their lives or something like that, which, you know, I find that a little hard to believe. But I think, you know, that the fact that they're in a career that they wouldn't necessarily have 
assumed if they had not taken a class from me or something like that, or helped them in their career, that sort of thing. I mean, that's just like that psychic paycheck that you're able to help in that way. Do you have any advice for someone who's going to be taking one of the WCT levels? Like, is there like sage words, like how they can best uh, be prepared for it and be ready for it? First of all, you have to read the study guide or read the book. (laughs) And again, understand that depending on your background, you may know some things already, but be ready to accept new ways of looking at it or new wines that you may not be familiar with. And don't get frustrated, especially you know, some of our students may have a hard time grasping some of the material. We're here to help you. We're here to guide you. We'll take whatever time it takes to help you understand the information you need to know. And again, just realize that the rewards are incredible. And wine is a social beverage that brings so much joy and friendship and camaraderie. And if you remember that and get through the tough parts, it'll make the journey all worthwhile. Those are great words of wisdom. So as we have every guest join our episode, we always ask them with a parting question, and we'd love for you to focus it on wine education. So if you could let us know, what do you think is a lasting trend in wine education, and what do you think is a fizzling fad in wine education? That's easy. <laughs> lasting online wine education. It's here to stay. It's going to grow. It's become more important. It's going to have more impact on the lives of individuals who want to know more about wine. What is probably fizzing out? Would you call it fizzling fat? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that. Well, it's not a fizzy drink, but I will say all day Zoom classes. <laughs> those are those are going to go by the wayside. And I believe me, I've done them. And not only are they tiring for the student, but boy, they're tiring for the instructor too. So in fact, we're breaking our diploma classes up quite a bit now. We used to do in-person all day classes. And even those, those would be long. Yeah, students and the instructor can get through them. But now we're looking at breaking them into much smaller one or two hour segments over the same period of time, but in smaller chunks so that they can more readily absorb it and take it in. That's very insightful. Like a lot of businesses are seeing that their phase one was basically try to replicate what you were doing in your previous industry in a remote fashion. And now a lot of people are trying to evolve it to like, okay, now we've done that and we realize that there's, we've gained, we've, we've had some issues that is hard to be sustainable. So now how do we kind of like evolve it and make it more so that it's actually more efficient for everybody involved in whatever that practice is, whether it's education or, or any kind of business? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, when I'm on webinars now, there's quite a few out there. If, it, if it's more than an hour, I think most of us will probably start to tune out. That's kind of the good time period. And if we do a two hour class, we're taking a you know good break in between to make sure that everyone stays fresh. We both want to thank you for joining this episode and letting us know a little bit more about the WCT education as well as the Napa Valley Wine Academy. And for people who are interested in reaching out to Napa Valley, because most of our audience is in the U.S., where should they go to find out more information about Napa Valley Wine Academy? Best place is our website. It's www. It's a long name. <laughs> Napa Valley Wine Academy. com. So. Imagine that's my email address too. So you have to type at <laughs> NapaValleyWineAcademy.com. I, I, I just wish we'd go NVWA. But yeah. for now, that's it's a full NapaValleyWineAcademy.com. We'll put a link to it in our show notes too. So people don't that, have to That's a lot that. easier. <laughs> well, thank you for your time. We, we greatly appreciate it. Well, thank you. This has been great fun. Thanks for joining us. If you loved this episode of X Chateau, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, cheers.